have always been fascinated by angels. You know, these supernatural beings that I don't really, can't really get my, my mind around. You know, these, these, these creatures that God created that, you know, they, they, they're spirits, they, but they can take like, you know, human form. And I've always been sort of fascinated by these by these creatures. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks a little bit about those. Obviously, you find a little bit of description of these, you know, angelic beings. They're supernatural beings. When I was a kid, we would have Saturday morning cartoons. And I think one of my first, you know, images, if you will, of, of, of an angel was when a cartoon character back in the day had a big decision to make. You know, am I going to, I don't know, you, you, you come up with whatever scenario is, but there's a cartoon character, you know what I'm talking about, where they're trying to make a decision, and all of a sudden, there's this little red demon-looking, you know, cartoon thing, and then an angel on this side. Are you guys familiar with that? Have you seen some of those? Even the young people are actually nodding their heads. They've seen that. And they, you know, they, the, the devil's kind of whispering in the ear, you know, do the wrong thing. And then the angel's doing this, do the right thing. And, and the character's kind of confused on what exactly to do. That was my, you know, my first impression of, of the whole angels and, and I guess demons and that sort of thing is. But I've always felt like in my life, angels must have been somehow part of, of my crazy Childhood, And some of you knew I grew up on a farm, and there's a lot of heavy equipment, and uh, often I didn't know how to properly use the, the said equipment, and I made a lot of dumb mistakes. And add to that the fact that we used to ride three-wheelers in the dunes when I was a kid before they outlawed them, how many wrecks we had, all that. I just, you know, I'm not kidding. I don't know for, sure, for certain, but I feel like, Angels must have been somehow involved. And maybe you have a similar background. Maybe you felt like, you know, there must have been an angel involved here. Anybody ever felt like that? Now, I know we can't, you know, put a, you know, totally know for sure. But there have been times where, yeah, I feel like, I feel like an angel must have been, been part of it. You know, and, and I've done a lot of funerals. I've been to a lot of funerals. And, um, and, and sometimes people will, will, will say that when a loved one's passed on, right? Have you ever heard that? Like when, when someone passes away, sometimes the, the idea is that, you know, they're, they're going to go to heaven and they're going to become an angel. Have anybody ever heard that at a, at a funeral? Maybe some of you haven't. Um, yeah, so we, we, I think this, this whole idea is, is ingrained. We have this fascination with angels. And, and some of us, you know, maybe have good or, good or bad impressions of angels. Some, some of us have, have you know, proper theology about angels. And maybe others of us, I don't think we become, uh, we don't switch, you know, types when we go to heaven or whatever new creation is, new heavens and new earth. I think, I think we're not angels. We're different than, than the angels. But you can send me an email on that later if you want. But, you know, even our culture is kind of captivated by angels. Seems like there was an angel craze there for a while. Then we had, like, shows like, uh, what's Touched by an angel. Anybody ever watched that show? Touched by is that still that's still in like syndicate or whatever? Can you still watch that on some of these rerun channels or whatever? Touched by an angel. There's of course the city of angels, which is L.A. Right, right. And we have a baseball team called the Angels. I'm a baseball fan. The Angels there, and uh, so we have this fascination with with angels. I've seen angel tattoos. You know, anybody seen a, a tattoo of an angelic being on somebody some sometime? I know tattoos are kind of the new thing. I'm going to start a new trend where I'm not going to get a tattoo, you know, and kind of be the resurgence, you know. I don't want to be one of those people that gets one and they want to have to cover it up later. 
I think my dad has one that he had covered up. Um, today we're in episode two of our Hebrew series. And, and I'm excited today. We are going to talk a little bit about angels because the writer Hebrew of Hebrews does talk about angels. But he's going to talk about angels in a way uh, that can kind of contrast Jesus and his role and the role of angels. So we're going to be there. Uh, if you got your journal, by the way, these all are in. So some of you probably got your journal already. So if you uh, ordered one of those or reserved one of those, we do have them. So make sure you grab that before you leave. You know, we're all here. Let's, let's take a pause for a second. My name is Pastor Ben. If you're new, glad you're here. We do want to connect with you. So there's a connection booth back there. We'll get you a gift. But let's just pause for a second and uh, let's take a deep breath together. You ready? One, two, three. Let's take yeah, let it out. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and we, we literally hit the reset button. Um, Father, many of us have had rough weeks, myself included, this past week, and uh, we're just asking for your presence. Would you speak to all of our hearts? Some of us in this room are really struggling right now, and we need to hear a fresh word from you. So, Lord, soften our hearts and open our ears to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible or your device, go ahead and find Hebrews. We ended uh, last week just finishing up with verse 4. And we're going to pick, up, pick it up at verse 5. But let me roll back the tape. We'll start with verse 4 because I think it's a good kind of roll into this. Now, we are going to, this is a little bit longer of a text. And what I'm going to try to do in this series is not break things up arbitrarily. So at times the writer is kind of making this, this case or an argument or a theme. And so sometimes I want to capture the whole theme that the writer is trying to make. So regardless of chapter and verse breakup, I'm going to try to get the whole idea that the writer is trying to give us. Right. So the writer of Hebrews here, this next thing, about a little bit about angels in comparison, is a little bit longer. So let's lean in and really hear from the Lord. And I'll start here with uh, chapter 1, verse 4. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. Or again, I, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says... He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them, robe, uh, roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits... Sent out to serve the sake, uh, serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Chapter two. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect 
such a great salvation. Hold on to that. It was declared first uh, at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that, that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that, that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we, we see him who, who for a, a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by grace, the grace of God, we might taste death for everyone. He might taste death for everyone. For it was, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That was a lot. I realize it. That's a lot. But you see how the writer's kind of flowing an argument here. And so we want to not chop that up, but give it full breadth to give it room to breathe here. So the writer's talking about a lot of things. And we learn, uh, really, that Jesus is greater in many ways. And I don't know if, if maybe in the first century, the, the early church was struggling with you know, angelic beings, or if there, if there were some pockets uh, of people that were thinking, well, maybe, maybe Jesus is important, but also angels. And, and they were getting kind of mixed up. In all this, and so the writer's taking time to say Jesus is greater. In fact, there's a there's sort of a Hebrew thing that's going on here. He's going from the lesser to the greater. He's making an argument in the first century. That was first century uh, logic for them to say the lesser uh, and the greater is better than the lesser. But it's flowing from the lesser to the greater. So Jesus is superior to the angels who brought the lesser, meaning the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant. And so the angels brought this and the prophets testified about it. That's the lesser. When Jesus came, he brought the greater. And we get that warning in there that we have a danger there, warning sign, not to neglect this new greater that Jesus brings. It's weird. It's almost like in this passage you have like, you know, Jesus in one corner 
and the angels in the other. And, you know, on Jesus' side, you know, he, he's, he's greater than any angelic being for these reasons. I mean, number one, he's the creator of the world. Angels were created. Jesus is the creator. So kind of making that contrast. And, well, obviously Jesus preexisted before the angels, so there's that argument. And then he makes this thing, the case that Jesus is king, whereas the angels are ministers, right? They're servants. Jesus is king. So we have that sort of contrast. And then, and then he moves on and, and said that, you know, Jesus is the one who, who brings the salvation. You know, the angels were part of announcing the salvation has come, but they weren't the salvation bringers. Does that make sense? So Jesus is the salvation. They were talking about what was to come. And so we were told not to neglect what Jesus did. Jesus isn't subject to anyone. Even, it says, he was made temporarily lower than the angels to go through suffering. But that wasn't a position issue. It was taking on flesh and understanding the weakness of humanity. But he never sinned. Beautiful statement there. I love this, this work. And then, finally, Jesus' saving work here. Did you notice this? What he did for us in, in bringing salvation through the cross wasn't for the angels. It was for us the children or the offspring of Abraham, basically humanity. It was for humanity. And so the angels are, are, are witnesses and they're observing this, but, but that's not something that, that was for them. So again, why so much time spent on angels? Why so much time here? You know, again, maybe there was some kind of weird teaching going on in the early church or even around, you know, we think that maybe the writer was writing from somewhere in Italy, writing back to the Jerusalem area. We think that maybe, you know, the, the people that, that initially got this message were possibly former priests in, in, the, in the Judaic, uh, you know, uh, system. And so we think they might have been, you know, pretty familiar with angels like Michael. Do you know too many of the, the, the names of angels in the, in the scriptures? You know, that's one of them. Yeah, it's still kind of a mystery, isn't isn't it? But maybe, but maybe someone would say, hey, Jesus is pretty cool, but also the archangel Michael. And so there might have been some of that going on. So the writer of Hebrews is like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-uh, there's no comparison here. Uh, Jesus created angels, not the other way. They're, they're not greater than Jesus here. In fact, I don't know if you're, how your Bible does this. Now, do, do some of you have a printed Bible, or maybe you've got your journals. Some of these, the, the, the translations of the Bible that you have, will sometimes break apart when, when there's an Old Testament reference. There's some way that some Bibles will designate, this is from the Old Testament. Does some of your Bibles have some of that? We'll kind of break it up. So, I don't know if you notice this, but... but as I was reading through the ESV version here, there are, are, are somewhat like over, over 10 different references to the Old Testament, to some of the prophets, and to, to the, especially the book of Psalms. And so we have a lot of references back and forth here. And again, the writer is trying to, to say, hey, you people that are familiar with Scripture, you're familiar with the Psalms, you're familiar about the whole story, understand that from the beginning, there's always been Jesus is greater. He will always be greater. And so he uses all these Old Testament references to, to set apart Jesus' role as unique. Now we find out, look at verse 14. Kind of we get this snuck in at the very end of chapter 1. What does it say that angels are, actually? What's their main role? Did you catch it? What's their main role in, in 14? I'm putting you on the spot. Ministering spirit. Ministering to who? Who inherit Salvation. Basically, they're, they're ministering spirits to the, the folks that are the, the saved ones, the one that, that God's children. 
And so it's interesting how, how exactly does, does that work? I made the, the, the point, point as in the intro that you know, maybe you know, they were there to save me from my dumb farm work. I'm not sure that that was exactly what they're meant to do. But the idea is they're, they're ministering to us, to Christ followers. And, and, and the thing is, they're not in charge. You know, Jesus outranks them by, by a long shot. They're not in charge, but they're serving God's realm. And, and Jesus had work to do. They had work to do. Two different, two different things to do there. But, you know, angels did some powerful things. Can you, can you think of some times that the angels kind of did some cool stuff, even in the New, Te- the New Testament? Anybody? Angels did some cool stuff. Can you think of one of those things that the angels did? Yeah. They, uh, you know, broke in and kind of freaked a bunch of shepherds out and said, hey, uh, there's going to be this Savior born in Bethlehem. Go see this child. So angels were pretty important. You know, they, they announced that. That was kind of a cool thing. There was a time when Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. And what did the angels do after that was over? Do you remember? And if you don't, that's okay. They kind of helped, you know, ministered to him. Helped him out. Kind of maybe brought him some water to hydrate. I don't know. It's like, Jesus, you went 40 days. That's crazy. They were there to minister to him there. That's kind of important. Now, there was another key time. Fast forward all the way through the story of Jesus. He's done the cross at the tomb, right? They were there at the tomb. You know, they were the ones saying, hey, he's not here. He's risen from the dead. So they, they had some key roles, but they're not, they're not more powerful or, or worthy to be worshipped. Only Jesus is. You see kind of what the writer's trying to do here? It's like, hey, the, 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 you know, angels are not, we're not putting those down. They're not, you know. They're not bad and all. They're good, but we don't worship angels. We worship Jesus. That's the key there. We have the servants of the king, and then we have the king, right? The servants, angels, the king is Jesus. That's kind of what we're doing here. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but when we got to the end of chapter 2, it's one of my favorite verses. And that might be, you know, of all the things we talk about today, uh, that is the verse that every time I, I, I come back to that one. As I said when I prayed, this has been a rough week for my family. It's been a rough week uh, for me. I wish I could just erase a lot of last week. And uh, I, I'm facing a pretty hard week this week. Just some family stuff going on, some health stuff. And many of you have been there. You know, it's not, nothing new. We go through these things, right? And uh, this, this verse gets me. 2.18 because he himself has suffered when tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. He's been there. He's done that. He's, he's seen what's going on here. He knows our struggle. He's not some far off being looking down and saying, oh, you poor humans. The scripture said he put on flesh and walked among us. Knows every temptation we would ever have to deal with. He understands our weakness now, the writer is going to talk more about this in the next few, few, few chapters, but he understands our weakness. He knows when we're tempted. In other words, Jesus has solidarity with the human experience. Yes, he never sinned, but he understood our plight. No angel was made fully human. Only Jesus put on flesh and walked among us. And what does the scripture say in John 1? And we beheld his glory. 
He walked among us. He walked with us. He understands. Some of you might be going through something right now. You may be tempted. You may be just struggling. Maybe you fell to temptation. I don't know what it is. But Jesus understands. He understands what you're going through, what I'm going through. There's just something there that I, I so appreciate. Now, as we said last week, there are a few pretty key warnings in Hebrews. And we ran into one of them today. Did anybody catch the warning? Something about neglecting. Did you catch the warning? You've been following Jesus for a while. This is a temptation that we face. We got to watch out that we do not neglect. This is a key warning. It's in in verse 3 of chapter 2. This is one of several warnings that we're going to get. But Jesus came to bring the gospel good news. And he, 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 his friends carried that message on. We have the starting of the church. And all these generations have passed, and here we are. And we've heard the gospel, and many of us have accepted the gospel and said, I want that. I'm in. Many of you have said yes to Jesus, and we are in that, and we're living the gospel. Jesus revealed God's final plan of salvation, the whole thing, in Christ. And Jesus fulfilled that rescue mission of love Paying for every sin, past, present, and future, rose from the dead, offers freedom and hope. He has victory, and he offers that to us. That is the gospel good news. We need it today, just like we needed it yesterday. And we're going to need it in a year, and we're going to need it in five years. We're going to need it every single day. That's the gospel good news. Jesus did that for us. Every morning when I wake up, I say a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. You know what that does? It reminds me of that. That every day I need, I need the truth of the gospel. So that's beautiful. And the writer's imploring us, do not neglect. Do not walk away. Do not dismiss. It says keep a firm grip on the gospel. Now he's writing to followers of Jesus. These aren't some other crazy group. These are Christians, followers, people who have said yes to Jesus. And he's saying, you've got to hold on, firm grip. Do not get sidetracked from it. In other words, don't drift or dismiss the work of Jesus. Now, that may seem elementary, but this happens in choices that we make every single day. Do not drift or dismiss the good news of Jesus. That's what the writer is warning us here. You see, biblical theology isn't all this head knowledge. It's actually way more than theoretical. It's actually practical. It demands our attention and our obedience. Both are at play here. Look, we, we, we obey, albeit imperfectly, but we are called to not just listen and hear but to obey, to put it into practice. Biblical theology is something that works with how we operate in life. Obedience is important. Dishonoring Jesus, walking away, neglecting, losing grip on the gospel good news begins to erode the power of the gospel in our lives. And so the writer is warning us, don't drift or dismiss. And that's my only point today. You're taking notes, that's it. This is something, this is a warning for each of us that have decided to follow Jesus. As life goes up and down, and we have good weeks and we have bad weeks and we have screw ups and we have to make amends, all that, we don't ever want to get to the point where we're dismissing 
or, or, or walking away or drifting from the gospel. There's a song that we sing. It's one of my favorites. It's an old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That might be a song you need to memorize. Turn your eyes on Jesus. He's asking us. The writer is imploring us. Don't dismiss. Don't neglect. Don't get sidetracked. We get so sidetracked. Turn your eyes on Jesus. I love Psalm 37.4. Our staff memorized this a few weeks ago. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Not the other way around, but grant, you know, he's going to grant those desires. That's the second part. But the first part is delight yourself in the Lord. Jesus, you know, kind of reiterated that in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. I think this is one of your life verses. Seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We have to turn our eyes on Jesus and keep turning our eyes on Jesus. I don't know about you, but some days I feel like I've turned on a totally different sidetrack and I've not kept my eyes on Jesus. And when that happens, I'm in a mess. Don't drift or dismiss the gospel. And here's how I want to end it today. Look, can you imagine if all of us in this room that are followers of Jesus would focus on him? We would talk about our faith in him and what Jesus has done for us rather than get sidetracked on whatever social media thing is out there, whatever the flavor topic of the day is or the hot button. What if we could just focus on Jesus? There's so much we can't fix. There's so much we can't, I don't know, understand about fake news and what this is and where this article came from and somebody's posting this. I don't know about all that. But what if we could keep it simple and make Jesus famous? Not all these side issues. I just had this conversation with a, uh, a gal that uh, good friends of ours that we were in a small group with for a long time and, uh, and she's struggling with faith. And the main thing I told her, she, she started, she's like, you know, 17, 18 years old. I remember that being that age where you're, there's all these things being thrown at you. It's a tough age, you know what I mean? Some of you that are in that age, it's tough. It's hard to be growing up right now with all that's going on. And this gal was just struggling with her faith. And my only advice to her was just look to Jesus. Spend time on him. These other things, they'll play themselves out, but focus on Jesus. Imagine if we could do that rather than being drawn away on some side issues. The idea here is we, we, we don't want to drift from or dismiss the gospel. Imagine a people like us simply making Jesus more famous. I can get behind that. Can you get behind that? Let's do, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and faithfulness to us. Father, we recognize that we are more sinful than we want to realize, but you love us so much more. And uh, Lord, we don't want to do that. We don't want to drift from the good news that Jesus brought us, news that's good today, just like it was the day we said yes. And Lord, I pray that there's some folks here that don't know you, never said yes. I pray that they would consider that. Consider looking to you, uh, Father, and, and to your son, Jesus, for what he did for us on the cross, offering freedom and hope and victory way greater than any other, any other being on the planet, any, way greater than any, even angels, that Jesus is superior. He is the point. Father, help us to focus in on him, to turn our eyes every day on Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.